Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chai Break Podcast. This is your host, Shweta Ravi Shankar. And Ramachari from New York City. This season, we're excited to interview a roster of amazing South Asian women who have broken barriers, questioned norms, and continue to make a mark for themselves. They come to you from all over the globe, from Bangalore to New York, Melbourne and everywhere in between. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we do and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Chai Break Podcast. Hi Rama, how are you doing? Hi Shweta, doing great, doing great. It's a nice sunny day in New York. It almost feels like every time we start our podcast, we're always talking about the weather. <laughs> that's it's true, that's day. true. It's a sunny day, it's a cloudy day. <laughs> are we doing a podcast or are we doing a weather channel? I don't know. I think kind of, you know why? Because I feel like the weather is kind of decides or sets the mood for the day and usually we tend to do these podcasts in the morning so I think that's why you know we get inspired especially during the summer we're like oh it's such a beautiful day yeah that's true that's true and I always sit right next to my window and you can see that sun is like hitting my face so I'm always like looking out the weather is there I can't just avoid it it's right there (laughs) that's true (laughs) so anyway I'm looking forward to today's episode this is going to be such a fantastic episode because I mean, in addition to what the audience are going to learn from this episode, you and I are going to just learn so much. And I know from our prep call with our next guest, I was just bored at the end of the call. I was like, oh, I would love to do all of that stuff that she said she's doing. And she's really doing it so brilliantly in an otherwise man's world. We're talking about a woman who stepped into an otherwise man's world. Thank you, patriarchy. And she, along with many others, are changing this narrative one investment at a time so there's a clue right there that's right one investment at a time (laughs) (laughs) yes you got that right we're talking money today and our guest is chicago-based south asian angel investor chandani bhatt so a little bit of background about chandani so with a background in behavioral psychology chandani wears many a hats from co-founding a marketing tech agency to more recently becoming an angel investor and wellness, especially in the South Asian space, for women. Oh, that's a great, great topic. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast, Chandni. So let's get started with our Chai Pe Charcha. This was something that came up in our prep call and we were like cracking up. We're like, yeah, we have to use it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you, Shweta Rima. That was an awesome introduction. Love the play on Chai with Chan. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here today and talk all about investments. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure for us too, because we're so looking forward to hearing all what you have to say about this really, really interesting topic, a much needed thing. I think financial wellness is so important in the space, in the South Asian space. Very little is taught to us, especially girls growing up in Mm -hmm. in that environment. So Mm -hmm. we have so much to hear from you and learn from you. So just to begin with, Please tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, your growing up years and how that all ties into what you're doing right now. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised here um, in the Midwest. I basically uh, started angel investing about four years ago when I moved to the city. Um, and prior to that, I had a background in behavioral psychology, just studying humans and really the behavior of what we are and what we do. And throughout my angel investing, I have really aimed to invest with impact 
that's something that I'm really keen on. Um, and that's something I've always been really keen on during my growing years through philanthropy um, and different kind of volunteer work. That's always been something near and dear to my heart. And now I have a chance to do it in a much bigger fashion. Mm-hmm. So I've been angel investing now for four years. Um, and now I thought it was finally time to legitimize and institutionalize those investments and start a VC fund. Mm. So when you talk about, you know, investing and all of this stuff, was it something you saw in your family? Was finance something talked about in your family and financial wellness and being independent and all of that stuff? Did you hear that a lot? Did you see women in your family, you know, go that route? Like, where does the inspiration come from? The early on, especially? Yeah, so I would definitely say that I've seen it in my family in terms of strong women in my family are definitely definitely there, right? That's very prevalent throughout my family. And I've always seen that. But in my own personal life, I was never really taught that same level of independence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or financial literacy to say, hey, Bita, you go and do the business, you know, and this is I'm going to start teaching you since, you know, you're now 15 or 16, which is very normal for boys exactly. um, in our community, in mm-hmm. the Indian community, at mm-hmm. least. And so for me, it was definitely something that I saw more growing up. To me, it was always the dream was to be able to empower people to do good things, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I remember being young and thinking to myself, why isn't there a job where I can can invest and I can invest in people that are doing the things that make an impact? Um, And as I grew up, I realized that there is such a thing, um, you know, and that starts with angel investing and eventually venture capital. Um, which seemed like such a big and scary thing back then. Um, but now it's become so much more approachable. Mm. Nice. So basically, you're, you're also doing something, else, not just investing. What are all the caps you wear? Yeah, definitely. So um, I also co-founded a marketing tech agency it's called Alebrije Agency. It's based here in Chicago at the Willis Tower. And what we do is cultural branding without appropriation. We are very keen on bringing the diaspora, the Latino and the South Asian diasporas to the forefront when it comes to marketing. Not only do businesses not have enough representation, but on the flip side, there's not enough marketing agencies that are doing this. So all sorts of businesses need marketing that would, that would let's say, target um, certain individuals, right? Certain populations. And we're here to really bridge that gap from all sorts of marketing, from traditional up to and branding and websites up to the mainstream new things, which is like social media. And of course, SEO and everything that goes with it. So my partner is uh, Latino and I'm South Asian. So we thought that would be the perfect match. That's amazing. I feel like um, I've actually been following a couple of Latinx brands. I think the most recent was Ceremonia, founded by Baba Rivera. And I think like I've been seeing a lot more of like South Asians and Latinas in this space. And it's so interesting that what I find a common thread is you've kind of taken your behavioral psychology you know, studying humans to like, you know, being like, okay, let's see what impact all of these different amazing humans are doing. And, you know, you're bridging that gap because I feel like, especially with immigrant populations, investment and, you know, that kind of thing, that's where they fall short, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like supporting those communities, you are doing such a fabulous job in making that impact. So kudos. Thank you. Thank you. Trying, right? We all try one yeah. day at a time. <laughs> and you know, it's so interesting. It's a perfect combination you have because there's this growing, emerging, probably not a growing and emerging, probably something that we probably known a while ago, but uh, it's exploding in recent times is the connection of psychology to investing mm. and the connection between psychology, human behavior, 
um, influencing the economic trends, you know, within the market. And so I think you are kind of with your psychology background, I mean, and with your passion towards investing in, um, you know, in a market in kind of a philanthropic way, you know, you're actually kind of the best of bringing the best of both worlds and right there, situated right there to do the good job. It almost feels like. Yeah. So, um, but then let's come back to women in this space. Mm -hmm. So. What are the challenges? I'm, I'm sure this is a man's world. I mean, when we talk about stock market, when we hear people talking about markets, even in, on television, media, it's always mostly men talking about the markets. In investing, we're hearing some women out there now um, who are doing um, you know, a lot of these investing and stock portfolios and stuff. But mostly it seems like it's the men. So what's your take on it? What were your challenges? Let's kind of, you know, Talk a little bit dive in. About, yeah, dive in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, hot topic for sure. It's basically, it's basically all men, right? You walk into a room, you walk into an event, and you know there are women now, like you said. There, there's more founders and investors, but still, the disparity is is, is crazy, right? Um, so, I think for me, one of the interesting things that I've that I've seen is it goes one of two ways. One is people dismiss you. They think, you know, oh, this little girl, she wants to get into investing. She wants to learn what this is. Oh, she, maybe she wants an internship. I'm not sure why she's trying to talk to mm. me. Um, and that's one way it goes. But what I've been seeing more recently, um, and more frequently, thankfully, is that people are willing to help and willing to collaborate, uh, which has been just so surprising in a good way, in a good way, truly. So it helps that I do seek out a lot of females in the industry. I love to connect with women who are either founders or investors, lead VCs, do private equity, um, anything of the sort, right? Because I think it's so important for us to encourage each other. I learn so much from them. Honestly, I learn so much because sometimes if I have an issue or I don't know who to go to, I feel comfortable going to a woman who's even at a big VC firm. Oh, you know, she does such big things. I feel comfortable going to her because chances are that there's nobody else who looks like her in this mm-hmm. space. And mm-hmm. so she'll respond to me. And I've, I've gotten that, which has been so amazing. Uh, truly, that's been one of the things that's really, really been eye-opening. But on the flip side, I think when it comes to raising um, and asking investors for money on a VC side, right? As an angel investor, I didn't have to do that because I wasn't raising from other people. But as a VC now, um, raising from other people, it's one of those things where it's, people think, why should I trust you? You're mm. this little girl. and you know, and I can say, here's my investment portfolio. These are the investments I've made, you know, but a lot of times they just think it's, oh, you luckily made a good investment or someone must have advised you or, you know, something of that nature and, or it's just not taken seriously. Exactly. So I think, yeah. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. And that's something that, I don't know, it's crazy to me because I don't know why, you know, on the flip side, if it was a man who was my age who said the same thing, that's why his words hold so much power. And I see it every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy when my husband speaks it holds in some situations more power than when I speak mm-hmm. and it still exists today and not in all circles of course but definitely in the Indian community when mm-hmm. it comes to like family or you know family friends sort of that community it's it's insane. You know, the disparity is still there. Yeah, because it's almost like when you talk about like, you know, um, whether it's because you and your husband both are in the same space, you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And even when when you take that into a family context, even right when families get together, mm-hmm. what happens? You know, like the men break away; mm-hmm. they're in their own talking, yep. you know, and then the women break away; they're having their own conversation. And most likely, the men are having conversation about money, about the stock market, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are no women involved, even though I'm sure that the group of women are equally as you know um, educated about all this, and I'm sure they're putting their money into the stock market. But, you know, that's just how culturally it's, you know, it's ingrained. It's almost in our DNA and it's we need to change that, right? 100%. Yeah, a lot of that is actually changing too In as we speak. I think more and more people like you are influencing that kind of change. But uh, to Shweta's point, absolutely right. And I go to all, to events and to parties or, you know, to just social events. And I always see the men kind of take their drink and slowly start gravitating towards each other. And the women just like, you know, the kids are running around, the women are handling the kids and they're slowly gravitating to each other. Mostly it's around food or something or in the kitchen. And we see this complete divide. I mean, investing cannot be only men and women's world. It, it is it is both world, right? I mean, it's fusing really nicely now. So there should be a way where women can just jump into the discussion where all these men are standing and they're discussing investment and give your two cents about what you really think. I think we're still not there. I don't know, at least in the circle that I see and I mingle and I am, it's, it's still not there. I'm not able to just like, everybody just sits with everybody and has this fun conversation. We're doing that. But most of the time, it's the split conversations that's happening. No, because I feel like even if with those split groups and conversations, right, it's almost like, are we as women talking about finance to the other women? You know, because I almost feel like there's this underlying, there's like this line that we don't cross. We don't talk finance. I think it comes from there about actually normalizing, about talking about finance, about investing, about where you're putting your money, those kind of things, right? Whether we break away into groups or we're together, you know, chatting up with the men. But still, like, I think even bringing up those conversations, I don't think is normalized or does not happen as often. What are your thoughts, Chanti? I definitely agree. Um, One thing that I noticed, though, is traditional investing, such as putting money in the market uh, versus VC, right? Startups and things like that. Such a new and a new and upcoming field. Not only that, but if you're investing in startups, you're willing to take a risk and bet on somebody new who's doing something that you may not know, right? That's risky. Um, It's kind of the nature of the industry. And so I realized that that is one distinction. And a lot of times I feel like that seems even, for some reason, VCs and startups to me, long ago felt more scary than stocks. So I started investing in stocks way before I started investing um, in startups, right? Because it's much easier. There's more access to stocks. Um, and it's talked about more, let's say more at least, um, than would be startups. But I think the nature of the field is one thing that women should take advantage of. Uh, right. Colored women, all of us, um, you know, anybody who's never been allowed a seat at the table should take advantage because I think due to the nature of the field, it allows for more representation, allows for people to be open to that conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everybody wants to hit it big. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the gender or the color of the person is, their idea will make it big, their product, their service, whatever, software, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I've realized that in the VC space, 
it is much more open. It mm. seems much more daunting to get into, but once you're in it, there is much more collaboration. It's much more open to that conversation as well. Mm. They're talking about daunting and overwhelming. I know like, you know, for some of us, like, financial, especially investments can be daunting. So, and you obviously think when it comes to, when you think about investing, it's these big numbers come to mind and you're like, oh my God. So like, according to you, like how much money is enough money to start thinking about investing even? Yeah. So honestly, I would say you can start with a check as small as 5k and you can invest in an SPV, which is a special purpose vehicle. You can invest in someone else's Brown and someone else's fund. You can co-invest. There's plenty of groups for angel investors as well. Um, I think that's the thing that's scary, right? Because I used to also think, oh my God, if you see, I had Shark Tank. I have to give $300,000 or something like that in order to even you know, be considered somebody who is credible, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And you also don't have to be an accredited investor. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Um, there's plenty of ways to invest until you reach that level, right? right. So I think yeah, to answer your question, short answer is you can invest as small as a check as 5K and be investing in big companies in any industry. Mm. And when you talk about investing, are there like support groups, especially for women and women of color who want to get into this, want to get educated, but they don't know enough? Like the internet is not enough because, you know, it's, I don't know, like, can you really trust it when you don't know enough yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, so are there support groups for this kind of thing? I was going to kind of jump on that same question. In fact, like, you know, a little bit modifying, like, where do people start? Mm. Like, if they are interested, where do they start? Yes. So I think a few places I would recommend. One is look for events that are VC pitch events. It could be any of that nature of events that are happening in your city, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For example, if you're in Chicago, there's so many. I go to multiple events that are for both sides, investor events, VC events, and also pitch events. That's a great way to start connecting with other people who are in this space and co-investing with them, right? Mm-hmm. Learning about their deals um, and getting deal flow. Because the other question is, where do you where do you learn about these deals? Like, who tells you? Mm-hmm. And you can go on platforms like AngelList and you can find a lot of great investments there. That's one way to do it. And through that, you can also meet founders of VCs and get on their deal flow list, right? If you're an investor and you want to invest and you connect with them and you truly share you know, where you're at, how much you can invest... They'll keep you in mind for what your interests are. Uh-huh. So those are two great ways um, to do that. And outside of that, honestly, reach out to me. Like I <laughs> would be happy. I've had so many people actually um, through my Instagram or through my LinkedIn I reach out and say, hey, you know, I want to learn about investing. I don't know anything about it. How do you get into it? Like I'm also a brown woman and I live in the States. And I don't know how to get into it, you know, and I'm happy to share. And just like me, I'm sure there's plenty of other women mm. who are in it who are happy to share, both founders and investors. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid because I think it seems like, oh, this person might not want to talk to me. But on the flip side, it's like, wow, I'm so happy that somebody wants to have these discussions, mm-hmm. right? I want more people who look like me in this space. Yeah, so if, yeah, if that's yeah. my goal, spread the word, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's so uh, refreshing to hear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think this is a very obvious, I can know the obvious answer, but I, I have to ask this question. Two questions, actually. Hmm. Um, probably the second question, we'll do it towards the end because it's a nice wrap up. But the first question is, this financial wellness that you've learned, this opportunity of investing, I don't think you started off saying, this is what I want to do. You went into psychology and then slowly branched up here. Mm-hmm. What has that done to you emotionally, spiritually, personally? What are the life lessons you've learned? 
Wow. So I think one thing that I learned was to trust my instincts more. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was crazy. But I asked someone else a similar question like this early on in investing. And so I've been thinking a lot about it. So it's funny that you asked actually, which is why they said, wow. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, it's taught me to trust my, have more confidence in myself and in, in what I know. Right. And that's for, it goes for everybody. Have mm-hmm. more confidence in what you believe you know. Mm-hmm. You do know it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason you believe something or have a feeling or have an instinct, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying to just blindly go on your gut and make investments. It's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying believing in your convictions and fight for them, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that I really learned personally about myself. Nice. That's something that I definitely learned about myself. That definitely um, is part of my personal growth. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, um, it's taught me that I wanted to be a, good at a lot of things in life. A lot of things. I wanted to be good at content creation and photography. And, you know, I wanted to be the best. Not mm-hmm. saying I'm not going to these things, but I wanted to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. At psychology and at all these other things. And I want to be at law and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I realized the one thing I am good at, the one true thing is seeking out talent, finding mm-hmm. people who are good at what they are doing and empowering them to do that. Wonderful. And connecting them with other people who can help them through that journey. Mm-hmm. So I realized that that's my one true power. How can I put that to use to make my mark on the world? Right? Because truly that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. We want to make a mark on the mm-hmm. world. And that's my way of doing it. That's my vehicle to getting there, truly. Um, and that was something that honestly was... I mean, getting emotional just thinking about it because it was such a big thing for me to realize. I think I searched that answer my entire life. And it wasn't until investing that I learned that about myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm honestly grateful. And it's through my journey, right? It's not just that writing a check did it or talking to one founder did it. It's the journey of it all that mm-hmm. Julia has done it. And I'm, I'm sure this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. That'll evolve. And I'm excited for that. That's wonderful. I think. You got me a little emotional with the second part because I relate to that a lot. I had, that's probably my superpower too. Yeah. Uh, but I am still on my search, but um, it's nice to hear someone, yeah. some, it's kind of validates mm-hmm. some of the, you know, thought processes that goes on within the other person's head as well. So yeah. Yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. And so the second question, uh, I mean, I think we should save the best for last, but you know, the challenges in your journey, right? You talked about emotions and stuff, but, yeah. you know, you used to talk about what you learned in the process about yourself. But in general, what are the challenges that somebody should be prepared for to overcome mm-hmm. in this journey? And even like, what was a low point and how did you overcome that? Right. You know? Yeah, definitely. So I think when it comes to challenges, honestly, it's where do you learn about anything when it comes to investing in VC? It's such a new space. Not only that, but not enough people talk about it, like you guys mentioned right at the beginning. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a big challenge that people should be a little bit ready to face is that there is a lot of unknown. Yeah. Um, and in general, the field is risky and investing is risky, but mm-hmm. sometimes there's not information. You Google it and there's no information. You keep looking, you keep searching. You're like, where do I, what book do I read? I'm willing to read it. What podcast do I listen to? What video do I watch? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not there. So I think that is one thing that is tough. People have to deal with that. Um, it's, it's very hard, I think. Yeah. yeah. And second of all is sometimes dealing with the risk of making a bad investment. Um, so I've had that time where I made a large investment and I didn't know where it was 
going, right? Mm-hmm. And thankfully that has turned around, but there was a point at which I was in panic because I had, you know, written a really big check and I could have lost it all. And mm. that would have been just devastating. I don't know what I would have, you know, I would know, don't know how I would have accounted for that or mm-hmm. what I would have said to make up for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was on all accounts, very scary, but you have to be ready for that. Um, and so I would say, trust yourself. And that's why it comes back to that, right? Like trust yourself, because if you don't believe in fully for even 1%, don't believe in that investment or believe in that thing, don't do it. There must be a reason, right? And do your due diligence, ask people for advice. Don't be afraid to ask other people about the investments you're making. That's totally fine because that's a real thing. It's a real fear, um, but you do have to be ready for it. So I would say also don't write bigger checks than you can handle, right? Um, if you're not ready to lose that money, don't write the check. It doesn't matter if it's a lucrative deal and it seems like it's going to be the next Uber. It's not worth it. Mm. So um, talking about gut instinct, one of my friends who also has an investing investment firm, yeah. he does uh, real estate investment. Mm-hmm. One of the things he told me was, and he was in the he was an investment banker who then started his own gig. Mm-hmm. So one of the things he told me was he religiously meditates every morning because he's he said that investment, like you just mentioned, is a gut instinct. You just have to trust your instinct, and one of the ways to go through trusting your instinct is through meditation and quietening that mind. So it actually you can actually really hear your inner voice about you know some decisions. Mm-hmm. What is your way of approaching? you know, decisions in investment. Yeah. So meditation is obviously great for on all fronts, right? As we know, um, and it helps all, all facets of life. Um, for me personally, I would say that when it comes to making investments and trusting, it's really about trusting the founder, to be honest with you, um, because an idea and the product's go so far as the founder allow them. Mm -hmm. So the founder's vision ultimately shapes the entire brand, the entire company. So you do have to really be able to talk to the founder and be able to analyze them, right? So I I do think that being good at reading humans is a big plus. Mm -hmm. That is one skill too. And it's a a skill that can be developed. It's definitely Mm -hmm. a skill that can be developed. Um, And I think that people should work on that. Yeah, if they want to be investing, I think that that's key when it comes to um, company comes picking the right founder. Ultimately, what it boils down to. So that is what I would say. If that was something that I could put my, you know, something tangible that I could say you can go out and learn, it's that. And meditation is great, but I'm not going to lie, I am just so impatient, and I try <laughs> so hard to meditate. Um, and my husband's great at it, you know, and 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 I look up to that, and I try to do it with him sometimes, but so many times I catch myself distracted. And I know it's something you have to just keep doing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely meditate, but uh, <laughs> also learn about human human behavior for sure. Yeah, 100%. yeah. No, we're with you on the meditation. That's where the psychology comes in play. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I'm the same with meditation. Oh God, that's I've like done everything: journaling, this yoga, right. blah blah blah, breath work, meditation. I like sit and I'm like, oh God. But I think I've read enough that you know it's part and parcel of the process. Yes, you know um, that thoughts never leave you, and you just have to work through it. 
But yeah, don't worry. Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> you guys, we probably have to do another podcast on this. You guys have to learn yoga nidra and I'm going to teach you both. Yes. <laughs> please, please. Yes. Oh my God. It's, the, it's beautiful. Well, well, that's for another thing. Yeah. So that's a wrap on this week's Chai Wait, wait. I wanted to ask my final finale. Okay. Sorry. All right. And I was saving this one best for last. And it's really an obvious question. What are your three golden rules when it comes to financial, overall financial wellness? Golden rules, huh? That, that's very funny. I've never really thought about that. Um, it can be two. It can be four. Yeah. I just put three out there. Okay. I would say number one is gauge your risk appetite. Mm-hmm. That is something to know about yourself. Early on, I thought it was very, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to take all the risks and I'm going to invest in everything. I found that I'm actually very risk averse when it comes to investing. Mm. It comes with practice. It truly comes with, through practice. Mm-hmm. You can't just know by being like, I'm going to be like this when I invest. Um, and it's something that just comes with doing, right? Through practice. Right. Um, so that's one thing is know your risk appetite. Mm-hmm. Number two is, again, I'm very risk averse. So don't bet outside your means. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And number three, I would say start early, start small. So mm-hmm. if you're thinking about it, go for it. Even if it's small, go for it. Reach out to the person, tell them how much you can do, what you can do, and see where it leads you because you never know where one connection can take you. Yeah. Right. And if you start today, you will be happy a year from today that you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, for most of us, I think that starting point is what, you know, is like daunting. Yeah. So it, it's very good advice. Very Definitely. good advice. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Chandni. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Yeah, this was so good. This was so good. Definitely leaves us uh, inspired and uh, to actually start thinking about it, start having these conversations and, you know, normalizing it. So amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's a wrap on this week's conversation. Happy New Year if we don't get to see you. Yes. um, Or talk to you very soon. Enjoy the holiday season. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chanti. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Do continue to give us your valuable feedback via ratings, reviews, and hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Your support means the world to us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at chai underscore break underscore podcast to get the scoop on our latest episodes dropping every Wednesday. You can also write to us at chaibreakpodcast at gmail.com.